Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hey there, welcome to a new episode of the Legal Toolkit here on Legal Talk Network. If you are looking for a Kawhi Leonard San Antonio Spurs jersey, I know where you can get one for cheap. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're Dave, I know you've got the stuff, man. As always, I'm your show host, Jared Correa, and in addition to casting this pod, I am the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services for law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. And if you're starting a law firm, we're hosting exclusive workshops in Boston and New York. You can find out more at buildyourownlawfirm.com and start your new law firm with confidence. Lastly, you can listen to my other, other podcast, The Lobby List, which I do with my wife, Jessica. That's a family travel show on iTunes where you can rate us and comment. And of course, listen, it's really good. Here on the Legal Toolkit, however, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to build a better law firm. Hey, that's something I know a little bit about. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Next, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Okay, my guest today is Jeremy Richter. Jeremy is an attorney with Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC in Birmingham, Alabama, where he practices civil defense litigation and focuses on commercial auto trucking litigation, premises liability, general business liability, and various other aspects of insurance defense litigation. He writes about law practice management at www.jeremywrichter.com and has recently published the book, Building a Better Law Practice Through the American Bar Association. So welcome to the show, Jeremy Richter. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. And I'm happy that I pronounced your name correctly. I think I did because I forgot to ask. It's Richter, right? Like Andy Richter. We will go with it. Okay, good. <laughs> now, I've heard, I've heard some people describe you as mild-mannered, although I'm not sure if I believe it. So are you Clark Kent mild-mannered or Peter Parker mild-mannered? I'm probably more Peter Parker, but definitely not the Tobey Maguire Peter Parker. I do not want to be associated with him in like any way. So Tom Holland we're talking about here? Any other any iteration other of Peter Parker. Yes. Like, But if I had my druthers, I'd probably be Lex Luthor. Oh, oh, wow. All right. This is getting deep. I wasn't expecting that. Why? Have you always wanted to be a super villain? It just seems like more fun. They definitely yeah. have more fun. I mean, less, until less the hair maintenance end. as well, which is good. Yeah. Yes, for sure. <laughs> It's going that direction anyway, so. <laughs> Tell me about it. I feel your pain. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the legal stuff. So you've just published a new book with the ABA, which came out very recently, called Building a Better Law Practice. But it's got a pretty interesting twist, I think. It's designed as a daily reader for business lawyers. So you can talk a little bit more about how the book was constructed and like why did you decide to design it 
in that way? I went with the daily reader format because lawyers are busy folks and we <laughs> literally bill by the minute. And so I know that most lawyers either don't have the time or aren't interested in taking the time to read large chunks of text because that's what we spend our livelihood doing. Yeah. So I thought if I could put out a book where you can take a point one of your day and read something that is both practical and easy to implement, mm. and it can help you be a better lawyer, manage your clients better, help with your caseload, then you might be more inclined to read it. And there's over 40 days worth of reading that you can do most days in five minutes or less. I think that's going to be really appealing to lawyers. That's a smart idea. Now let's dive into like the practical aspects of the book. So here's a preliminary question for you. And I think this is important. This is something you talk about, like how do lawyers, especially new lawyers, gain confidence in their practice skills? And I think that, I don't know if you address this in the book exactly, but lawyers often suffer from this imposter syndrome idea where they just feel like they're faking it forever. And this is not often spoken of, but I think building confidence for lawyers, which I think to the general public sounds like a weird thing, is a really important issue. So I, I know you talk about this in the book, but how do you think lawyers can build confidence in both their practice skills and their business management skills? I think with deliberate practice and intentionality in the things that you do on a daily basis. And I know like the best way to be comfortable is to have experience. So it's just one of those like double-edged swords is, mm. and it's really difficult. It just takes time, but it also takes doing things with intention and purpose and taking advantage of even when you aren't the person in a case, I mean, mine's a litigation practice. So yeah. even when I'm not early on, when I wasn't the person conducting the mediation or taking the deposition, it was important that I pay attention to the questions that are being asked, the mm -hmm. answers that are being elicited, uh, and not just be you know physically present and zoning out and doing my own thing, but to pay attention to what the people who have gone before me are doing. Mm. So there's a little bit of mindfulness component here is kind of what you're yeah. addressing. Yeah, I think so. And as far as the imposter syndrome, you know, it's unavoidable. Yeah. You come out <laughs> you come out of law school with all this knowledge, but you don't know how to be a lawyer yet. Yeah. And if you go work for a good firm or a good employer or corporation, whoever you end up working for, they should be hiring you knowing that you don't know how to practice law. And they shouldn't expect you to know how to do that right away. Part of their job is to to raise you up <laughs> to be the lawyer they want you to be. <laughs> I like that. Raise up these lawyers right. But I think it's true that like a lot of law firms expect people to like, I mean, the law firm training manual, right, is like, here's your computer, go after it, which is yeah. not necessarily effective for a new lawyer. No, because like, you know how to think analytically and do critical thinking, but unless you've just had some really fortunate clerking experiences, you don't know what to do. When I yeah. started my first job, you know, it's insurance defense. I had car insurance and renter's insurance, but like that's the most <laughs> I knew about insurance. So there's a lot to learn right out of the gate. No, it's true. And it's funny. I, I think you said, unless you've had a bad experience, I think that's what a lot of this is. Like yeah. <laughs> something goes wrong, you have to figure it out. And then you kind of get this notion that, oh, I can actually do this and become like a real lawyer. Yeah. And, that the, you know, the thing to do is realize early on, 
I don't have to draft every pleading and motion and discovery request from scratch. (laughs) There's troves of these things. And you just got to use the assets that are available to you. And sometimes that's documents that have already been drafted. No, it's true. You're not writing Finnegan's Wake here. You're doing something that somebody else has done before and someone will continue to do after. So let's shift gears slightly and talk a little bit about what it's like to build confidence in substantive skills, like which is stuff you're kind of more prepared for because law schools trained you for that versus like business management skills. And the last show I had, we talked about how it's important to develop business management skills, even when you're working for somebody else. So can you talk a little bit about that dichotomy? Yeah. So, you know, on the business side, I guess in both, it's really important to know what you don't know. Before I went to law school, I was a high school teacher. So I have no practical business experience. And I know that. So when I'm looking at my future and, you know, whether for any lawyer, whether it's becoming a partner in your law firm or starting your own solo practice, you need to set about and learn the things that you need to know. And you can't assume that just because you're a good lawyer, it also means that you're going to be a good business person because those things Mm. don't go together just as a matter of course. Yeah, that's a good point to make. So it's just a matter of understanding the knowledge that you have versus the knowledge that you don't have and need to acquire to be not only just a better lawyer, but a better business person as well. Yes. And so getting that knowledge and paying attention to the things that are going on around you will help you get that confidence because you'll just have a greater understanding of what's needed and what's expected. So one thing that I'm really good at is making segues. So let's segue into a break right now so I can tell you more about what you should buy. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call yourself at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. Hey, thanks for not leaving to go listen to some other podcast. Why would you do that, right? I'm here with Jeremy Richter of Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC. Damn, that is a long name, Jeremy. So why isn't Richter in there yet? Can I help you with that? I don't know that there's anything you can do. There's 15 (laughs) other people ahead of me. So aside from, you know, knocking off a few of them, then (laughs) we're kind of... We're stuck on the lower end of the totem pole for now. That's my costliest service of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah. we're talking we're talking to my friend Jeremy Richter, 16th in the pecking order, about how to build a more better law practice. So you're one of the things you talk about is systems. And I'm a big believer in systems as well. So tell me about why systems are so important to law firms in particular. All right. So I have a large volume of cases. Is the workload that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many cases exactly because I'm kind (laughs) of scared to count, but I can't, if I don't have 
systems. And I'm a big believer in spreadsheets because I'm just really nerdy like that, which probably takes us back to the Peter Parker thing. Yes. <laughs> nice job. Yes, thanks. I have spreadsheets for a couple of different things, but one of mine is from the time a case gets assigned to me all the way through the discovery phase of the case. I know what my deadlines are, where each case is. I've got it color-coded, and that serves a couple of different purposes. It keeps me organized. But more importantly, when a client calls about their case or a partner wants to know about a case, I have a really quick reference guide that I can look at and immediately have answers for the client or the partner or whoever needs the information. Whereas if I don't stay organized and I don't have systems and spreadsheets in place, I'm not going to have an answer because there's just too many cases going on to be able to keep them all in my head all at the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I love the color coding. That's smart. So in terms of your firm and other firms you're aware of, like there's kind of two levels of systemization, right? There's like individual lawyers who can do it and then firm-wide systems that are in place. Could you talk a little bit about the difference there and how well you've seen law firms develop systems versus individual lawyers? So I, for better or worse, have been at the same, it's been better for me, I guess that's a really poor way to say it, have been at the (laughs) same firm since I started. So as far as what other firms do, you know, I know firms use practice management software and things like that, create a structure for them. We don't do that. And we have, I think we have probably, I'm trying to think, maybe 20 lawyers in our firm and a bunch of different practice areas within insurance defense litigation. So some of our folks do construction defect, others do exclusively workers' comp. A lot of my work is personal auto wrecks and some other stuff as well. So everybody has different needs as far as how they manage their caseload. And for me, it's a very highly personalized thing. Hmm. And so for firms where everybody is more on the same type of structure of cases that they work on, there may be a more universal solution for those guys. But for us in the type of firm that we have where it's so diverse, everybody just kind of does their own things and manages their own cases in the way that uh, just really works best for them. Gotcha. So, So if you're a lawyer and you're like, hey, this thing sounds good, maybe I should have some systems in place. Like, what would be the first system you would create as an attorney who just wants to try it out? I think I would find a way first to organize my cases and keep up with everything because we are a client-driven business. And if you can't keep up with your cases, then you aren't going to have clients. That's fair. That's probably where I would start. That is a very nice abridged answer. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So. Do you think for most lawyers, like there's a mindset change involved in creating systems? Because lawyers, when they come up through law school, and like you said, you're a high school teacher, like you have to be fairly structured being a high school teacher, but not everybody comes out of that environment. So do you think there's a mindset change involved for a lot of lawyers in terms of like A, creating their own systems and B, adopting other people's systems to use if they have to do that? Certainly. And I think most lawyers coming into a firm will have to adopt pre-existing systems and structures. And as they go along and get their own caseload, they can do it how they want. But when you're coming into a place and you're answering to other people, it doesn't really matter what I want because I need to do whatever it is the way that 
the partner I'm answering to wants it. And so... <laughs> yes, that's the system. <laughs> yeah. So early on, I was answering to five different partners who all did things very differently from one another. And so from writing styles to managing cases and communicating with clients, everybody did their own thing differently. So I had to adapt because it really didn't matter that regardless of how good of a writer I thought I was or my communication methods, it didn't matter because I needed to do what my partner wanted me to do because it's their client. Yeah. And that's really the important thing there. So most new lawyers are probably going to be adopting existing systems. And as they come into their own, they can develop and modify and adapt what works best for them. That's good. This is good stuff, Jeremy. So we're going to take another break. I'm going to look for my flip phone. It's got to be here somewhere, right? And you can listen to some more words from our sponsors. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Thanks for coming back. Have you ever had those Haribo Cola gummies? Those are delicious. If not, I think... I think oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Jeremy, you have an objection? No. Come well, on in, only man. that I'd have no experience with the cola ones. I didn't mm. even know they existed. Oh, man. You got to get some. They're okay. delicious. I'm in. So everybody else, run out, grab some cola gummies, and let me know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter or wherever. My kids love these things. Now, let's get rolling again with Jeremy Richter of Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC, who's talking with me about how to build a better law practice. Now I'm hungry, but leaving gummy fruits and gummy bears aside for a moment, let's discuss client communications. So why do lawyers suck so very hard at client communications? Do you have the answer? I have an answer. (laughs) That's good enough. (laughs) Okay. I alluded to this a few minutes ago. I think often we lose sight of the fact that we are a customer service business. And most new lawyers haven't dealt with clients in this way before. And so it's a completely new thing, especially like brand new grads who have only gone through undergrad and law school and never had a real professional setting before. It's just a new and different thing. So even for me with my teaching background, it's not the same thing because I was answering to administration and parents and students, but any of them could be unhappy at any given point. And it really didn't affect my day to day. Whereas if my now clients are unhappy, there are plenty of people who are willing to take my work away from me and do that in my place. And so it's just something that most lawyers haven't done before. We can tend to be, I don't want to speak for the whole profession here, but <laughs> Go sometimes- Go ahead, speak for the whole profession. Okay. This is your self Lawyers box. can be a self-aggrandizing bunch. Yes, that's true. And so we lose fact that clients have to come first. Communicating with clients and doing reports and providing updates, sometimes it gets in the way of administering cases and doing the things that we might otherwise like to do better. But if you don't keep your clients informed about what's going on with their cases and where you're at on your budget that you propose to them and keeping up with providing them information because they're answering to somebody too, then you're going to put your clients in a really bad spot. Yeah. 
and they're not gonna be your clients for very long. Yes, very good stuff. Okay, so let's fix this then. Like you can speak for the whole profession. What's your best tip for improved client communications or improving client communications? All right, first and foremost, when I very first started, the partner that I worked with the most at the beginning, probably the most important thing that he taught me was, if you get an email or a voicemail or get any form of communication from clients, you need to respond within 24 hours. Hmm. Even if they need a whole bunch of information and your response is, let me get back to you when I can provide you a full evaluation of this because I have to analyze some data or, or whatever. You need to respond in some way within 24 hours to let them know that you're there and you've seen their request and you're working on it and they're on your mind. So yeah, yeah. that's probably the very first thing is respond to clients. That's good. I like that. For insurance defense and for people who have corporate clients, a lot of those guys have reporting guidelines built into their case management where, you know, they need a report from you 45 days after a case is assigned to you. And then again, after discovery is done and before mediation and before trial. And a lot of lawyers, based on the meetings that I attend, where the insurance companies bring in all their lawyers from around the country. So I've been to a lot of these meetings and all the time they're talking about, guys, we need your reports and they need to be substantive. And so if they're telling you these are the things that are important to us for you to communicate to us, then those are the things that you should probably focus on communicating to them. And so reporting guidelines and providing useful information, evaluating cases early on so that they can make financial decisions about how they want to manage a case. Those are the types of things that are really important and will keep clients happy and keep them continuing to send work to you and your firm. Yeah, and reporting guidelines is a great idea. Like in terms of a lot of case types that can languish, where you don't necessarily have to notify clients of things that are happening, it's good to force yourself to do that. So I'm a lawyer. I'm like, Jeremy sounds like a dude who knows what he's talking about. His book sounds good. I want to get moving on improving my practice. And I literally have point one to do it. What's my first step? Can I give a really self-serving answer? Yes. Yeah, buy my book and read the first day's reading. <laughs> buy the man's book. Come on. <laughs> All right, so don't don't tell us what the first day's reading is. <laughs> okay, but as a practical matter, get organized. I've got a to-do list that I keep. I keep two notebooks, like all the time. They're with me everywhere I go. One is, they're like these little five by eight yellow and white notebook pads, you know, like the little miniature legal notebooks. And one is where I write down all my time immediately, because if you don't write it down, you're going to lose time and lost time is lost money. And the other is my to-do list. And so getting organized and staying on top of your caseload is the first thing you need to do. That's the first point one is get organized and know what you need to do. Even though you're not going to be able to bill for that time, you're going to make it up in the long run by not sitting there trying to figure out what's next. Yeah, good. Okay, great. Now, last question I have for you. This is probably the most important question I've asked you so far. Who is the best Birmingham Baron of all time, not named Michael Jordan? And this is the question that I don't have an answer for. <laughs> Neither do I. We're stuck. I, <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to talk about the Braves, I could probably do that for a couple All right, give of me days. Your, give me your best Brave ever. I'm, I'm talking you can do Boston, Milwaukee, Atlanta, best Brave. Well, I mean, it has to be. It has to be Hank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Henry the Hammer. Like you got Warren Spawn, though. You got like you got potentially other options. 
but I love Chipper Jones. Like, oh yeah, I I grew up from like I was born in '82, so I grew up. Even though I grew up in Texas, I was a lifelong Braves fan even today, which has comes with its own sorrows and miseries. Oh, I don't know. They're looking good, man. Like I've got some young Braves on my fantasy baseball team. I'm pleased. Yeah, they've got a good solid foundation right now, but the last you know decade has been rough. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Chipper Jones is a good choice. Can I give you like 30 seconds to wax poetic on Chipper Jones? I just think the ability to switch hit like he did keeps pitchers off guard and his knowledge of the game from just a fundamental level is just like really sound. And then his willingness to coach up the young guys as they came through the system was just really admirable. Now, his personal life was kind of a mess, but like the baseball <laughs> yes, side yes. was good. I wasn't touching that. <laughs> he's not Len Dykstra though. At least he's got that going for him. All right. So that is going to do it. That's a pretty good segue, right? That's going to do it for this episode of Legal Toolkit. We've been talking with Jeremy Richter of Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC. I can't believe I haven't screwed that up to this point about improving your law firm practices. Now, I'll be back for future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Jeremy Richter. Let's do it one more time. Of Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC for being on the show today. Jeremy, tell the people out there how they can find out more information about you, your book, and your firm. Okay, so you can find out more about the book at betterlawpractice.com. You can download sample chapters, see some reader testimonials, and get a discount code for the book, which is available at shopaba.org. It'll be available on Amazon, I think probably in October. And then I have law blog that I write at weekly on these topics that we've been talking about today. And that is at jeremywrichter.com. Is it Richter? Now I feel terrible. No. Well, I mean, like we're the only family that pronounces it that way. So never in my life have I corrected anybody. <laughs> okay. All right. You should have started now. <laughs> All right. Let me, look, let's do this. Ready? Thanks again to Jeremy Richter of Webster, Henry, Bradwell, Cohen, Spiegel, and DeShazo PC, because I am a masochist. I'm going to say that one more time. And finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. And please tell my kids to do the same when I talk to them. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.